So pressure comes out of nowhere, and it's not always bad, but in this case, it was. It was COVID. It was bad for everybody. Regardless of what you think about it, it was a bad and tough time. We were divisive. We were trying to be healthy. We didn't know what tomorrow meant. But some folks were on the case. Charles River Laboratories had their hands directly on the vaccines and the health situation that we were going under. They saw it. They touched it. They worked on it. They fixed it. And they brought it out to folks. We're going to talk about that next. Mary Beth Eckert and Bo Tokarski of Charles River Laboratories next. The heat is on. Let's get cooking. This is Purpose Under Pressure, brought to you by the Ruby Group, Sandler Sales Training, serving sales professionals nationwide from their Akron and Columbus, Ohio locations, also in Jacksonville, Florida. They are one of the highest performing Sandler Sales Training affiliates in the nation. And if you are a business owner or business leader looking to make a difference for your customers in a better way, helping them to buy more of your products and services in a way that helps them. That's the difference, and that's what Sandler brings to the table. The therubygroup.sandler.com is where you will find these folks. They are great partners of Purpose Under Pressure. Our guest today, Bo Tokarski, Manager of Analytical Chemistry, and Mary Beth Eckert, Director of Human Resources and Safety Assessment at Charles River Laboratories. First of all, I want to say welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. And and then I want to say I'm way over my skis here. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I have this much idea of what happens at Charles River. I have even less understanding of chemistry in general. And when it comes to human resources, I'd, I'd leave it to the professionals like yourself because I know. But I do know purpose. And I know there is purpose at Charles River. And I know the people that work there have it as well. And I do know pressure. And that's there as well. And so uh, without a doubt, this is going to be a very exciting and interesting show. And I'm glad you guys are here. And I appreciate your coming on the show. Absolutely. So, talk to me a little bit. Let's set this up. Charles River Laboratories, a lot of people don't know what it is, but everyone virtually everyone is affected by the work that you do. Tell me a little bit about what Charles River Laboratories does, and then we're going to dive in a little bit to how they do it. Yeah, I'd be happy to take the lead. Um, so again, thank you, Brian, for having us. Um, we really appreciate the opportunity to be on the on the uh, podcast today. Um, regarding Charles River, uh, so the purpose that we live out every single day, um, the phrase that we have, if you will, is together we create healthier lives. Um, that is something that is supported by our core values of care, lead, own, and collaborate. Uh, so that is something that's a part of what we incorporate as our Charles River DNA. So you talk about you're not a chemist. Um, I am a born and bred chemist um, for about nine years of my undergraduate and graduate experience. So I like to think of that as the same way that we have DNA that makes us up as human beings. Those core values make up the DNA of every Charles River employee. That's from a day one technician all the way through our CEO, Jim Foster. And to your point of everybody uh, potentially has been impacted by the work that we've done um, for the last three years. Charles River has worked on over 85 percent of the drugs that have gone through FDA approval process. And that includes, for example, 100% of all the COVID vaccines and treatments and 90% or more of the oncology or anti-cancer therapeutics that have been FDA approved. So when we say that we do truly create healthier lives, um, we do it because of the work that we're doing to support the drug development and design landscape 
and that is from basic research, um, which means the very beginning, the idea, if you will, all the way through to post-clinical approval and manufacturing. And certainly the footprint in Ashland, Ohio uh, is impacted by the 1,200 plus personnel that we have on site. But even more so, we are a global company. Um, so we are a safety assessment site in Ashland, but we're 110 plus sites with over 20,000 employees strong globally. So the impact is not just felt in Ashland. It's not just felt in Ohio. It's not just felt in the United States. It truly is a global impact. Yeah. And do you feel that? So I'm interested. I, did, <laughs> did you ever see the? Did you ever see the movie Batman with Michael Keaton? Yes. And he he was trying so to explain. Michael Keaton is my man. So. <laughs> so. So you remember the scene where he was trying to explain? He was going to say that he was Batman, and he said, "You know how people get up, make themselves breakfast, and go to work." Like, do you feel that when you go to work? Because you've got literally the the health and the 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 lifestyle and the comfort and and well being of, I mean, your company and you affect that. Does that change the way you approach your job? That's a lot of pressure. Yes, a thousand percent it does. And truly, I think despite the negative aspects of COVID-19 and the detrimental impact it had on people, one of the things that made me realize as a young, naive chemist and scientist is how much impact Charles River is having on the world and on the pharmaceutical landscape. So real world example, I was able to be assigned a study and opened up the study packet, which essentially we get with all the details and information relative to whatever work we're doing. Obviously, I can't disclose who that uh, company was, but I can just say that I opened it up and did a quick background check, and it was a portion of a lip nanoparticle that was key to a vaccination that was related to the COVID vaccines. That for me opened up real world where it was like, wow, this is something actually making an impact. Uh, this is something I'm studying in real time with a current event that's happening in front of my eyes and it is going to be talked about in history books with my children or grandchildren and great grandchildren yeah. for the rest of time. And being able to sit there and sit at my desk in Ashland, Ohio and work on a study directly impacting that truly does make me get up in the morning, want to put on my clothes, want to go to work, grab a cup of coffee. Um, and be ready. For the Get day. busy. Yeah, absolutely. And so Mary Beth, so he's got his hands on the chemistry. Mary Beth, what are you doing that helps support that as well? And what, what, how does that impact how you do your job? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I'm supporting our, our 1100 employees here, you know, and, and from any, any aspect of HR, anywhere from hiring and onboarding to, you know, full life cycle of their employment. So ensuring that, you know, our employees do feel valued here and that they don't lose sight of their purpose. They don't lose sight of what we do as a company, because even though, you know, we do have this great purpose, we're all in, we're all people, we're all human, we all have outside lives, and then we have our work lives. And so we have to make sure that from a leadership perspective, we're doing anything and everything we can to keep our staff engaged and keep them connected to the work that we are doing. Because, it's not all glamorous. There's a lot of physical labor that goes into the work that we do. There's a lot of, you know, dirty work. There's a lot of cinder block walls without windows. We operate much like a hospital facility and that we need to have employees here essentially 24 seven. And so, you know, it can be easy to, to lose sight. And, and I would say that's part of the pressure that we have here is, is maintaining that level of 
engagement and um, again, just making sure that our employees understand that regardless of their job, if they're, if they're mopping the floor or if they're dosing an animal or if they are, you know, working on the method development, all of our jobs are important here. I know for me in particular, uh, I started out my undergrad in, you know, wanting to be a nurse and because I wanted to help people and, um, you know, math was not my forte. <laughs> and, and I quickly changed that career path for myself, you know, early on in college, but at the end of the day, I still wanted to help people. And so, you know, being in human resources, that's great. That's one way to help people. But then also being able to work for a company that has such a great purpose is really meaningful for me as well. How are you able to bring, so you need people like Bo. You need people that care enough to get up out of bed and want to come make a difference and have the ability to do those things. We're not hiring on Indeed or whatever. For These aren't like $5 an hour. You know, This is real important stuff. How hard is it for you to bring the right and the most qualified and the most caring and, and devoted employees in a day and age when it's tough yeah. to find people that really give everything to their job? How hard is that? It's hard. Yeah, it's a challenge. Is it? I bet. It's a stupid question. It's um, tough. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. I mean, the, the good thing is that from a, from a scientific perspective, I mean, Charles River is a very well-known name. So, you know, okay, so, but, they so know. the Bose and, and some of those folks out there, um, you know, have heard of Charles River Labs. They, they understand that in the, in the CRO industry, the contract research organization world, that, that Charles River is, is the name. But there's competition with large pharmaceutical companies too, right? So we have to we, we have to talk a lot about you know all the experiences that you get as being part of a of a contract research organization. The the work, the pace is very quick. As Bo mentioned, he's able to speak today about you know being part of working on the COVID part of the COVID nineteen vaccine. A lot of other large pharma companies or other scientists, you know, they may work for 20 years and only be able to say that they've they've worked on a compound that has made it to market. So that's that's one of the benefits of working for a contract research organization. So we do, you know, talk quite a bit about that, but it is it's a challenging workforce, you know, place in the workforce for for all of us. So we're all competing for talent. So let's talk about if if you don't mind, I'd like to talk a little bit about COVID and a little bit how the the medicines and the vaccines come through and get approved and, and move forward. And I know that that requires or required a ton of work on a part on the part of all the employees, like 24 hour around the clock. You guys really had to. What was the what was the biggest pressure when it came to helping to develop the COVID vaccine? Was it time? Was it effectiveness the, that it actually worked? Was it uh, political pressures and things like what pressure did you feel when you were under the gun to get this thing right, get it onto the market and get it to help improve lives of people? From a scientific standpoint, I would say time was definitely of the essence. Um, and I think that for the layman who doesn't fully comprehend or understand how much work went into it, for example, Brian, we've talked about this previously, but I compared to that, you know, extreme home makeover home edition analogy where you go from having one contractor who works on this thing for a year or several years to now all of a sudden everybody is pouring their time, energy and effort into it. So the question wasn't of monetary value or of even manpower, but it was 
here we are working with the best of the best and with the platforms that have been inspired from 20 plus years of innovation and research dating even back to the SARS um, outbreak that happened in the early 2000s, which became a massive platform and foundation for a lot of the COVID-19 and coronavirus research that's now um, been integrated um, specifically for COVID-19. For us, it was, okay, here we are, as Mary Beth mentioned, we're working alongside the pharmaceutical companies who have this platform. The question then became, what platforms can we offer them to advance and ensure that these things are safe and effective in the eyes of the FDA? And really what then became a massive part on our part is, you know, I'm an analytical chemist for the company in Ashland for safety assessment, but that is one very small slice of a very big pie when it comes to safety assessment. And then even more globally, um, not just safety assessment, but also clinical and then post-clinical work. So we became much more integrated, I would say. Uh, that was one of the more positive out outlooks after looking retrospectively at the COVID-19. Um, interconnected. So, and maybe this is the way it operated beforehand, but I came in at a unique time in May of 2020. So I got to be in the really the thick of things in the middle of the COVID pandemic. But the idea that you can wake up in the morning and be on a call with colleagues in California um, and then 30 minutes later be on a call with colleagues from France or Germany or the United Kingdom and we're all working on the same thing because it's not just impacting one part of the world but it was a global pandemic so really that time element and the ability to collaborate to effectively use that time really became of the essence during the COVID-19 pandemic and how does that happen? How does how who leads that charge? Maybe not their name, but how does it happen that everyone who's doing their job very well before this thing called COVID comes, and now everyone has to do even more mm -hmm. in a different way than they ever thought? They didn't know they were missing anything. They they ramped up their game right when they didn't even know they weren't ramped up in the first place. How how does that happen? How does everyone just realize they have to throw into the same boat? And, and it, how does that work to get everybody on the same team working in a completely different way to make something happen that they've never made happen before? Yeah, I mean, speaking specifically from Ashland, I think it starts with local leadership. So mm. um, the amazing thing for me coming in at that time was the realization of just how important work is that we do. And that started with Erica Lashley, our site director. And it's the small things that I think make the difference. So I, I'll never forget, I was walking down the hall and there are little inspirational quotes that she had handwritten herself and put up, you know, the work that you do matters. Every day you come to work, you are a gift, things like that. And I stopped and thought to myself, what site director does that? <laughs> you know, she is up to her eyeballs and work and decisions yeah. that are way above our heads. Yet she took the time to talk to us. And that's continued. She takes the time to be considerate of others, stop people in the hall, ask how they're doing, ask how their families are. And that culture has permeated throughout the site. I think that every single one of our departments, uh, the integration starts with those managers and supervisors and directors or associate directors for each department kind of integrating and working together. And then each department head does a great job of making sure every employee feels important. Yeah. And the encouragement of cross collaboration across those departments, I cannot, I can't quantify. It really is an incredible thing to yeah. see. 
that wave came up and all, all boats went the same way and away you went. And Mary Beth, I, I, safety assessment, what, what is that? What is that responsibility for you? I know the H, or at least I pretend to know the HR part. Yeah. What's the safety assessment? Part? Yeah, so that's a great question. So safety assessment is our piece of the pie when it comes to preclinical drug development. So we are looking at to establish the safety of a product. So we're in this case, we've talked a lot about pharmaceuticals, but we also com- complete safety assessment for agricultural chemicals, food additives, pharmaceuticals being kind of the biggest chunk of that of that puzzle. But we're looking to determine, you know, at what point does a product become helpful to the body and at what point does it become harmful? Okay. So in Ashland, we're not particularly testing for the efficacy of a product, but we're just, we're looking at that. What's that correct dose? Yeah. And, and so good. So I'm glad I asked that. I wanted to know if that's what that meant. Mm-hmm. And, and so let me see if I've got this right. Bo, you're creating this thing. And Mary Beth, it's, it's up to you to make sure, and your team, of course, and your team, but it's to, to make sure that this thing is going to be safe for people, if, if not work well. It's going to do what it's promised to do and, and not cause harm. How much pressure do you take home at night hoping that you're right? So Mary Beth, you say it's safe. Bo, you do your best. Everything looks right. We don't know, right? Like, what, what, how, did, how much pressure is there in knowing that you've made a right call and is now safe for everybody to uh, participate in. Yeah, I mean, I'll just, and I'm sure Bo can add to this, but I'll just say like, we have to make sure it's it's good science, right? So the data is only as good as what we do. Um, and we we live by that. So we, we have a huge, I mean, our, our training department, our training capacity, I mean, we owe so much to that team and in all of our departments for training our new folks and making sure that we get them up to speed on the importance of, you know, the data that we collect and why we do things a certain way. Because if if we do stray from that, then we can't we can't say that we have good data, uh, right? And and then at the end of the day, I mean, we've got the FDA as that that body that's going to you know look at all of the research and look at all of the data and ultimately decide, you know, is a product going to go to market or not? So. And we've got tons of internal controls as far as, you know, quality assurance, quality, quality control itself, quality systems, so many, you know, data checkpoints, you could, I guess you could call them to, to make sure that what we're doing is accurate and good. See, on the rule, only decision makers can get other people to make decisions. Each and every day, we have a decision to make. Also, when we're with buyers in our sales process, we have a decision to make how we're going to lead that interaction. And if I'm somebody that can make daily commitments and keep those daily commitments, then when I'm with buyers, I expect them to make commitments and keep those commitments to me throughout that sales process. So first and foremost, I have to have a decided heart in order to lead other people to make the decisions that I'm expecting them to make. And that, and that's so important. And and the people, I I don't know that my mind's creative. I don't have a scientific mind at all. And so it's, it's really easy for me to say, well, what if it doesn't work? And yet those who understand science can say, no, it's going to, here's, you know, one plus one does equal two all the time. And it's going, it's going to work. I'm interested now, now that we've come where we are, I'm interested in how Charles River is different now based on the pressures 
that it went through. Is it is it better? I have to assume that it's 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 better. It's able to handle the next challenge. And I'm also interested in what the next challenge might be. Where's the next level of pressure for each of you, really, that you're going to have to overcome to make sure that you're ready for the next thing that comes along? So from a scientific standpoint, I think better certainly we are because we took on a 100-year global pandemic right on the chin, and we got up off the mat and said, keep it coming. Let's get this work done. And that doesn't happen without everybody working together, creating a collaborative environment, and undergoing the trials and tribulations of a pandemic, not just professionally, but personally. I'm dealing with it at home, dealing with it in social life, dealing with it in terms of potential emotional health and wellness, detrimental effects. And yet here we are, and we are on the backside of that pandemic now with a better outlook and a better understanding of how we can create healthier lives for our patients and also work better collaboratively with our pharmaceutical, agricultural, industrial partners. You asked about the next wave or the next challenge. I think that yeah. it's not necessarily a disease, if if that makes right. sense, but I think- yeah, We it, can't predict that, correct. right? Correct. I think it's now, how do we better serve our clients, our sponsors, so that we can best serve the patients that they're looking to serve. And mm -hmm. I think that a continued effort will be that pushing forward of science and technology together, kind of marrying the two. I think that Charles River does a fantastic job of remaining on the cutting edge, pushing the boundaries in a positive way and creating better digitization of the data, creating better connectivity between our clients and the data that we are creating so that they're fully informed, so that they're aware of the progress of what we're doing, and so that there's less lag, there's less time between the data that we're creating and the results getting to those clients. So then that way, they're able to be more proactive about the, the compounds that they're working on, the potential pharmaceutical drugs that they're looking to roll to market, and then overall creating a better collaborative environment so that we as a team, meaning us as a company in Charles River and the pharmaceutical client that we're serving can better create a future together. Um, and time is money in any <laughs> anything that we do. Um, and that is 100% true in the contract research organization landscape. The less time that we spend on progress, the less money that is spent and the more that we can focus on creating better therapeutics. Yeah. Mary Beth, how about you? What what are you going to have to uh, step up and overcome here in the future? What what new pressures are coming along the way for you? Yeah, I think just ensuring that we have the best equipped workforce yeah. and that we continue yeah. to pivot our mindset and apply different approaches and really listen to our employees and what it is that they want from their work life. It's different now than, than it ever has been before. And we have to continue to adapt and continue to really challenge the status quo of, you know, hey, this is how, how we've operated as a workforce in the past, but that doesn't mean that it has to be how we operate as a workforce in the future. Yeah, for me, it's just, it's just really, listen, really listening to our employees, understanding what they have to say and not just saying, oh, well, we can't, you know, we can't offer that. Well, why, why can't we? Right. So it, it's challenging, challenging what we've done historically, trying to meet the needs of our people. Yeah, because you're still a business. Yeah. 
and it's a for-profit business, correct? And so, yeah. And so everything has to fit just like any other business that we Mm -hmm. need to make more than we spend. We need to have the right employees. We need to give where we can and save where we, I mean, it's all part of the same thing. I'm interested, maybe this is the last question perhaps, but I I have 54 others. Maybe we'll have to do a part two at some point, Mm -hmm. but Charles River was already a great company before COVID. Mm -hmm. I assume it's even a better company down based on everything I've heard. Is it a wake-up call? Are those opportunities wake-up calls or are they opportunities to grow? Pressure, quite often in this show, pressure gets a bad rap. Oh man, all I want to do, I want to work, 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 I want to do it. And all of a sudden this thing rained on me and I was in trouble. But pressure turns coal into diamonds, right? And I have a feeling that's what happened here. I think in, in some ways we might look back on COVID and say it made us all better, even though it, for a while it made us really crappy right it was it was really bad is charles river better now and and are you glad that it happened or would you if you could would you go back Mm, i don't know if i would say i'm glad that it happened (laughs) (laughs) it's a it's a loaded question nobody wants covid but but i I mean i do think we're different now right we're we're all different yeah we're different and are we glad that we're different yeah and even from a work-life balance perspective, I think that we all realized that we have to prioritize our families too. And that, yeah, buddy. you know, if I, I feel personally like we have more flexibility to disconnect from work now than we did pre-COVID. And maybe that's just me. I don't know, Bo, if, if you feel that way or not. And I'm also in a unique, little bit of a unique situation where I I actually left Charles River in, in the middle of 2020. So kind of right okay. before pandemic got super crazy and then came back okay. in 2022. So I had very much pre-pandemic experience with CRL and then post-pandemic experience, whereas Bo was was here, you know, that, that whole time. So I don't, I don't know if he feels that way or not, but. I, I think to Mary Beth's point, um, you have to kind of separate the science from the person, right. Or the people that worked on it. So mm-hmm. from a scientific standpoint, I am thrilled with what we were able to overcome. And I say, we is meaning the collective, we of the world, the people of the world, because we have been able to create a novel platform that I think is applicable across a variety of disease types. And I tell people all the time, we were all a part of the largest trial in, in human history up to this point of determining whether or not this platform would work. And it does, it has proven to work. And as Mary Beth said earlier, it's safety first, efficacy second. We were a part of that safety journey in Charles River. So the people side, the personal side, there were challenges that were difficult in the moment. Um, Looking back though, I do agree with Mary Beth that for the first time in a long time, it made me realize how important family is. I was able to have a better work-life balance and not just from a person standpoint, meaning my family, but also looking personally at myself, there wasn't that feeling of, I feel ill, I need to push through and go to work. For the first time ever, it was, you feel ill, you stay home. And that's the way it should be. And it still remains. That part is still consistent. And I think that that's a positive outcome that likely wouldn't have happened without a global pandemic. And this 
stigma at work of someone wearing a mask is now gone. If someone wears a mask, it's actually respected. It's, okay. it's a respected decision. Like, oh, you're not feeling well. I appreciate that you're not going to sneeze everywhere or cough everywhere. Yeah, thank you. And you thank may you. not have you know, a contagious illness, but at least you're being respectful of the fact that you are with other employees in the workspace. There are different levels of pressure in everyone's life. We all wake up, we swing our feet out of bed, we put them on the, on the floor and we go. And, and, and things happen that try to knock us off our path. There's been nothing like COVID. And just to know, at least in my life, there was nothing like it. Just to know that you guys are on the case. I didn't realize it before. I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> I'm, I just assumed someone was working on this thing. You know, it wasn't our politicians and stuff like that. Like somebody who knew what they were doing was actually working on it. I'm glad that you guys were. I'm thankful that you're here in Ashland. I thank him for, for all the things that you do for our community. Um, and, and I hope, Mary Beth, that people will continue to want to come and live here and be a part of this and be a part of solving people's problems. And I hope, Bo, that the next wave, that we are just even more uh, ready to take, take on those pressures. And I'm glad you're on the case. So thank you both for being a part of the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I don't know who in this show would be interested in Charles River. You guys do such a very niche <laughs> thing, but if it, what give give some contact information, the website, things of that sort that people need to know, uh, and then we'll we'll sign off. Yeah, sure. So our our website is www.criver.com, and there's a careers page there where we do, yep. you know, keep of all keep all all of our up to date uh, job postings. So people are looking for opportunities to serve the world in a greater way. That's the one thing that's happening there at Charles River. Are there other opportunities or do you have to be a scientist like Bo, Mary Beth? Are there other ways that people can be a part of Charles River? Yeah, all kinds of yeah. I mean, we're, you know, like you said, we're we're a big we're we're a big site. We've got about eleven hundred employees. So we've got everything from report writing, which is, you know, folks that have specialized in English to you know, administrative function, quality control. So yeah, a lot, I mean, lots of science, but not, you know, other positions that are available as well. And, and we train, we do a lot of training, right? So entry-level technical positions, we know that our, our uh, what we do here is unique and that people aren't going to come to the table with that type of experience. So we uh, put a lot of value in our training and have fine-tuned that quite a bit. So we, we will teach people everything that they that they need to know. We just ask for a good work ethic. And as Bo mentioned, our core values that care, lead, own, and collaborate. That's really the, the fundamental of being a successful employee for us is showing those core values and we can teach the rest. Congratulations to you guys. This show is called Purpose Under Pressure. It's not called, it's not about the failures. It's about the overcoming. And you guys have overcome it. And I think businesses that are listening and people that are listening, uh, pressure is good. Seek it out. It'll change you. It'll make you fight. It'll make you work. It'll make you overcome these hassles and these hurdles that come along. But we can do it and we're better for it. And I thank both of you and, and the whole team and everybody for all everything that they've done and are doing at Charles River. And I thank both of you, Bo and Mary Beth, for being a part of the show. Absolutely. Thank this you. has been Purpose Under the Pressure. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate I cut them off because, you know, that's what I do. I, I've got the microphone and I get to do <laughs> the thing. But I appreciate their been about part of the show. It's Bo Tukarski, Manager of Analytical Chemistry. I can barely say it, let alone know what it is. And Mary Beth Eckert, Director of Human Resources and Safety Assessment at Charles River Laboratories. My guest today, thankfully, on Purpose Under Pressure. It's brought to you by the Ruby Group Sandler Sales Training. As we said before, sellers are under pressure to perform. And Sandler helps you succeed on purpose. You will find all past episodes of Purpose Under Pressure at brianmediastrategies.com slash podcast. And wherever you stream your podcasts, we do this every week. And we will see you next time 
on purpose.